It is the 3rd of September 2014. This is the audio podcast show 127, Maxing Out MIDI. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. We're back. We had a little break there, and it's it's not even our normal day. It's a morning again. Oh, it's going to be good though. We've got lots of news, and um, no other, and some plunder, I believe. So, I don't know what's first in the notes though. So, what's first in the news? Well, well where what, are the show notes, Adam? Well, that's the thing: is the show notes can be viewed at theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one two seven. They are the notes that we. Are the presenters runoff, and of course you can also contact us via Twitter at the Audio Podcast and via email show at the uk. and we'll do all of the gump about where you can get the podcast later because I assume that seeing as you're listening to it, you've been able to find it. Yeah. I step straight into the news. Our first item is that Roland has announced the Mobile UA, which is a new which is a new sound card designed for on-the-go use, I think, because the word mobile has connotations, so I prefer on-the-go, maybe it's a better descriptor of it there, on-the-go use, and it's basically just really small. Um, now, here, it, first of all, it features mini jacks rather than quarter-inch quarter inch TRS on it, so Yay. that probably gives you an indicator as to the kind of feel about it. But here is a question for you, and I don't know the answer to this, this is just a query for you, but it says... It says world's smallest USB audio interface, and then mm -hmm. the statement is caveated with that supports both ASIO and DSD. So I do wonder if there is a smaller interface which only supports that doesn't support DSD or something like that. Well, what about that? Um, that I can't remember what the name of the company is. They do high-end stuff, and it's a, a, a it's like a stick. It's like this long, and something. I don't know. I don't well, really care. In the world of small interfaces, there are any number of you know USB dongle size cheapo things, but none of them have high resolution audio. Yeah. No, th th this this is a proper yeah. It's it's forty four point one k, but proper you know proper outputs, properly conditioned outputs. And in terms of size, it is the same. It it's a it's about the size of a trackpad on a MacBook Air. Oh, okay. So it, it isn't actually that small when it when you think about it. Did it Motu, Motu had a little kind of thing that the advertisers fits in your pocket as well, didn't they? Uh, oh, and Pro Tools did as well. DigiDesign used to have a little one just so that you could get onto the um, Pro Tools ladder relatively cheaply. Now, of course, the real truth of the fact is that this isn't the first news item because Scott forgot to refresh his page. That's okay. So, just go with whatever was there. So, so the actual first news item is that PreSonus um, have is this released a new s series of digital mixers called the Studio Live RM series. They have indeed. This is a um, series of rack-mounted mixers, which well, you see, yeah, digital mixers. So you have a rack mount with lots of XLR slots on it, up to um, 32, I think, up to 32 in, 16 out, and um, the smaller ones as well, and it's all designed to work with PreSonus's UC software, um, uh, okay. Surface software, which is all links up to um, Wi-Fi and stuff, so you can control it from your iPad. Originally marketed and designed for live use, but they're saying check it out; it's pretty good in the studio too. 
That works for Mac and Windows as well. Windows is an important one because, of course, there are, you can get lots of tablets and um, uh, laptops that have touchscreens in them in on the Windows platform. So, uh, yeah, it's basically like a bunch. It, it, it's kind of like hiding all of the hardware away, and then you get your your controller there right in your face, and it's not like a completely integrated. Integrated you know into one package. Thing. Yep. So the digital interconnectivity of this is FireWire on the back, but it also has Ethernet and SPDFIO, and it supports Dante and things like that. You know mm. what these things always remind me of? Um, hardware hard disk recorders. You remember the hard disk recorders of the early of the kind of early two thousand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tascam like, uh, MX twenty four twenty four is an example. So it's it's like a six U box with a whole load of inputs on it and a little bit of monitor, a little bit of metering. And then you control it from somewhere else completely. Yeah, I remember um, a friend of mine had in, in his studio a rack mount eight-channel MIDI-controlled mixer, which was a nightmare to work with. But yeah, it was you plug it in; it had no controls on it of itself. You just had to send it correct MIDI messages to set the levels of the things that you plugged in. Mm. Um, well, I mean, talking of such integration. We've got a new product announcement from Native Instruments, which is the NI Complete Control S, and uh, a companion, the companion update to the Complete Library, which is now version 10. Um, and yeah, they've kind of fitted in, kind of like with their machine and mach controllers and software. They've they've created a kind of integration between this keyboard controller, the Control S, and Complete. The library, which is cool, but actually, if you look at the Control S, it's a nice piece of kit. You've got to admit, um, comes in 25, uh, 49, and 61 key versions. It has this natty LED lighting thing above the the notes, so I guess that's to like, so you can follow it or something. Um, it's and a, then kind of a light guide system, isn't it? So it can light up the lights to kind of. Yeah, and they're multicolored, just kind of at the top of the keys. And then there's also uh, it's got the dials, but it's got this nice little display underneath that shows you the name of the parameter that the dial controls. So that's yeah. pretty awesome as well. Um, and of course, Complete Ten comes in standard and ultimate versions. So, but I think you can use the Control S uh, standalone just in your system. You don't have to use it with con with con Complete Ten. So. That's cool. Nice. That's, that's a really cool product. And it says it's a Fatar keyboard. Uh, key keyboard with aftertouch. I haven't heard the name Fatar for a while. So that's just. I think they don't. Like maybe they don't make keyboards much anymore. But they actually do all the internal components and sell them to people who do make keyboards. Yeah. So wow. for, in in terms of system requirement, though, you do need it's uh, Windows seven or eight or Mac OS ten ten point eight or ten point nine. Yeah, so you guys would be completely, like, <laughs> you wouldn't and be able to do it. It does present as MIDI as MIDI in or MIDI out, but it also offers the advanced functionality to Ableton Live 9.144, Cubase 7.5, Nuendo 6.0.7, and Logic 10.0.7. Logic 10.0.7. And talking about um, an Apple product, well, there's actually an Apple event coming up. Uh, next Tuesday, yep, ninth of September, and of course the big, uh, the big reveal. There are going to be two big reveals. One will be iPhones with bigger screens, and the other one is likely to be a wearable, uh, like a smartwatch. 
Um, but we, we're only going to go very briefly on this. We agreed this before the show started, so this is another thing. And while people are saying wearables and lots of people are saying watches and other people are saying sunglasses and things like this, and so, some people have been musing towards hats, I think, based on some... Uh, based hats. on that, that painting application <laughs> that we saw, I reckon... <laughs> no, 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 seriously. But I reckon that it's going to actually be, um, I think, headphones. Okay. That, that was why I argued, for the, I argued that we put this in the show notes, because I reckon we could see... We could see some new headphones under the Beats name, but I think it's a really obvious one to make the headphones wearable. And they'll make a big deal about the headphones knowing whether they're not head. Hold on, hold on. Head. To make them wearable, you can wear headphones like, already. I'm oh, no, wearing no, mine to, right now. To, to shift to shift headphones into the wearable category in terms of computing. That's what I mean. Like no. you're going to have headphones that know when you're on the head, know when they're not on the head. They're going to be able to make you cups of tea and give you proximity notifications. <laughs> be able to work with your iPhone announcements. Can you know, take your dog for a walk. You know, these will be fantastic headphones. Uh, but you know what? Let's talk about them next week because. We're, we'll just be speculating now, and next week, we'll, we, or the week after, we will actually have a proper idea of what Apple have released and what they've announced and the implications of into the audio world. How about Talking that? about releases, Prism Sound have released Sadie, uh, Sadie 6.1, and Sam and I were musing about this before the show started that Prism Sound is a really awkward company sometimes to talk about because... They have a tendency to release things, to talk about things that you presumed were already there, which, <laughs> which is quite awkward. Now, so Sadie is, Sadie is an absolute top-level, high-spec kind of audio production environment for real, you know, for real-time work, and is very well respected as what it is. And people who use it talk so highly of it. It's Incredible. So the first thing is you can actually try it try it on the website. If you, you can get the download and run a trial of it. They've also repriced it and almost taken a zero off the price. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting as well. Um, but other than that, it, it kind of talks about things like, you know, Sadie now has 32-bit floating point support <gasps> in, internally in it. Amazing. Surely Upgraded from 16-bit integer. Woo! You know what I mean? But surely it's been doing that for years. But I... There we go. I, I don't I don't know. You can find out if, if you're a Sadie user, 6.1 is out. That's the thing you need to know. And, you go, and there you go. We told you you can go get the download. If you're not a Sadie user, then this is a point to say, you know how you think Logic seems a bit kind of shoddy? Then, you know, Sadie represents the next class up, and there's a release just out, so why not go check it out? It's the next class up of shoddy is what you're trying to say. No, it, it's not shoddy at all. It just seems... <laughs> Feature lacking. How how can one you know rather than stuffing features in, they do them really well. Do you think do you think that they've maybe knocked a zero off the price in order to try and compete with Pro Tools? Because Pro Tools is a bit right now. It's a bit kind of I've I was using it the other week and I'm just like why why do I have Pro Tools now? Because it's I used to respect it and now I kind of just feel like it's a bit of a mess. But I wonder if they're sensing the same thing and they think, let's get in and try and beat Pro Tools. I'm, yeah, the whole Avid kind of, well, all the interconnectivity of their things and the cloudy-based stuff seems to be going, if it goes in the same way that um, Adobe have gone with their Creative Studio software where you don't even buy a license anymore, you subscribe to use it. I, I don't like that direction at all. The idea of just, I just want to 
purchase a license that allows me to use the software forever. Yeah. So but as long as you have a, an operating system that runs that that software. So if all the big names that we think of as standard now are all going in that direction, there may be things that we don't think of or hear of so often, like say maybe they'll come up in the future as something that's a bit more old school and a bit more good. Who knows? Speculating us... for you there. Now, about... now, oh, ah. I'm going. I'm going. I'm taking it. Talking about purchasing models, it's you know it's nice <laughs> to buy a license that allows you to be able to do you know to use it as long as you want to. But sometimes it's even better to get your software under an open source license, in which case you can use it forever and change it to suit your needs. Sam, I believe you have some news about PD. Yeah, PD has a new update. There, um, so this is PD Vanilla is on 0.46 has been released. Um, yeah, I think the most significant additions are it now has native OSC support, which is pretty cool. Um, if you're going to be using OSC over UDP, you still need to use third-party externals if you want to use TCP or other things. Um, and it also has native built-in support for Jack, so that you... On Mac OS 10. On Mac OS 10. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. What interested me about this now uh, um, is because I looked at PD when I was doing my PhD as a way of um, doing that kind of thing over the web. And what interests me here is that actually... Um, you can integrate PD into an iOS application using PDLib yep. or LibPD. I can't remember which way around it goes. Um, and also, uh, there are other kind of environments. You can use it as an audio engine um, for, you know, experimental products or whatever. Um, also, I'd like to say that I was going to introduce this one by uh, mentioning interconnection. So Scott and I were going slightly different ways to get to the same. Yep. So that's libpd, and indeed, you, you know, it's pd is known for being a graphical patching thing. But you can, once you've made your patch, you can run pd without the GUI, so that you, whatever control system you've established, where it's just control or DSP, all that kind of stuff, can run without needing to look at the patch, which is how it would work inside libpd and things. So yeah, it's probably a good way of not having to deal with audio unit programming if you're not so. Oh, you know, up to speed with programming because audio unit programming is quite hard. Anyway, anyway, on from PD. Uh, fan funding for YouTubers. There we go. Um, it, it's it's a beta feature running from YouTube, which basically puts a support this channel and allows you to financially donate to a YouTube channel that you like in the hope that you will encourage them to produce more content. Basically, it's a way of, of Google kind of preempting people going onto Kickstarter to do the same thing and basically saying, oh, you can do it directly in YouTube and we'll take a little cut of the money. 5% plus 21 cents. Uh, and this is only available in certain regions, uh, Australia, Australia, Japan, Mexico, Mexico. and yes. the US. So, I suspect that this has more to do with Amazon recently buying Twitch and you can be sure that Amazon are going to work out a way to monetize Twitch channels. Well, there was a... Producing them, and this is a way of making sure YouTube doesn't get emptied by people because Amazon present them a revenue model immediately. There was a, another YouTube thing which I was going to put in this week, but I didn't get around to it, and it's a bit of a read, and we have a talk about it. So um, maybe I'll put that one in for next week, but it's about YouTube um, and music in particular, 
um, I think it's to do with YouTube trying to change the model for uh, music labels um, using YouTube rather than, or they have to sign a certain thing to get involved in a certain new service that they're coming up with, but it's different to this one. I think that was perhaps we discussed that in relation to the UK Music Producers Guild a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago when they uh, YouTube started those renegotiations. Maybe show one, two, four off the top of my head. Well, I, I will send you the link, Scott, and we can decide whether to put it in in the future. How about that? I guess we we should make it clear to people that you can, if if you want to, we're not entirely impartial in this sort of discussion because the audio podcast is available streamed live on YouTube and available for your consumption at any time you wish on YouTube, as it is also via iTunes, GStreamer, and... GPodder. GPodder and... Stitcher. Stitcher. I got that so wrong. <laughs> I had exploded off it for the story. But there we go. That That's pretty cool. Um, Sam, what is... Well... What is, Fairlight what is, 3D audio. <laughs> what is next in the show notes? Um, this is Fairlight have <laughs> today announced that... Well, they kind of announced it before, but they've given more details today about what they will be announcing next week-ish, um, or in the next this month at the International Broadcasting Convention, IBC 2014. So Fairlight will be launching their... Um, 3D Audio Workspace, which is an object-oriented 3D sound production solution, which can integrate with existing DAWs, but allows... Um, I think... I, I couldn't quite work out what it is, so I think it plugs into your um, to your host as a plug-in, like a VST or whatever, um, although I'll come back to that. And then it gives you gestural control of the sound, so you can move in the space by pointing your fingers and wiggling them, I suppose. Kind of cool idea, but yeah, I think the point is that it's object-oriented 3D sounds, so that it, rather than saying, I want to put I want to put so much in this output channel and this much audio in that output channel and reverb across them, you specify a 3D location for a sound source and its characteristics in terms of which way it's facing and how wide it is. And that means that you can transfer your mix, which is a set of these objects in 3D space, to any number of speakers. So you can create a mix and then say, right, I want to hear it in 5.1, I want to hear it in 7.1, I want to hear it in cinematic Dolby thingies and that type of thing. There we go. Isn't that brilliant? I love it. Let's do this week's sound library. Uh, Adam often announce, uh, Adam often quips that, quips that I find the most amusing new ones here. I have a great introduction for this one though here. Imagine that it is 1995 and that you are keen to release yourself a new hit single in a kind of trance-orientated manner, then this would have been the sample library for you. What? <laughs> I have no idea where Scott gets his references from. So, uh, but this is basically the Thunderstorm 3 HD professional sound effects library by the recordist. So uh, thunderclaps, rumbles... These kinds of things? Yeah, this is a long, long-awaited, much-anticipated, much-hyped sound library, and the recordist has been working on this for a long time, recording thunderstorms, editing, metadata-ing, and such the like. And my, my, my alluded reference was to think, uh, you know, the uh, the, the highest-selling 1995 trance track was oh, yeah. Robert Miles's Children, which begins with... Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I mean, I really remember that tune more for the piano. Do, 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 and do. just the way it sounded and the way he plays it, and 
And then he tried to do the same thing in his next track, and it's like, yeah, that's all right. And then he just fell off the map. What do you mean he tried to do the next, the same thing in his next track? There were three albums of exactly the same thing over and over again. <laughs> well, like, that that proves my point. Decades. That proves my point. I know. Just saying, this was like the, the you know what I mean? We could. There well, we look, go. Anyway, look. If anyway, you if you like Robert Miles, then it's it's possible that you like music, and it's possible you own a mobile device. <laughs> and so therefore, life life hacker are looking for the best mobile music apps. <laughs> I suspect I suspect that life hacker have completed their search because this was we've been on holiday, and I pushed this was August twenty third. So there is a life hacker. There will be an article very soon from life hacker for best mobile music apps. There we go. I love the way that you preface that with the "you might like music." <laughs> well, you can't be you can't be absolutely sure just because you like Robert Miles. It doesn't mean you like music. That that's true. In the background, we can hear the weeping of those people who are dealing with the the heartbreaking news that Sam gave them at the beginning of the show that there is no imaginatively section named other section this week in the show, and instead we go direct to the plunder. I can't hear those people. I can't hear those people. I. Um, okay, plunder, and we basically whammed this in right at the last minute, but it's it's good, it's good. Um, if you are a budding DJ, if you like your DJ software, i.e. Tractor or something like that, but you want some extra geek cred, then go outside, get yourself a couple of Amigas, download the PT1210 Mark One software, and you can do uh, DJing with mod files, tracker files, directly on Amiga, um, and be, you know, the everyone will think you're amazing. And this is what this is about. Um, Craig did some music. I've done an article about this software with some cool videos, you know, mixes from YouTube, this kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. That's it. And, and also, um, I've also put a link here to an album which isn't to do with that software, but is to do with Amiga Trackers. Uh, called A for Amiga. It's by Ctrix. You can listen to it free on Bandcamp, and um, it sounds awesome. I listened to the first couple of tracks, and it's basically classic kind of Amiga intro music, but really nicely done, really well um, produced. So yeah, I mean it's a win-win. Awesome, awesome plunder. Thank you for that, Helen. And interestingly. Even though we actually had loads of stuff to get through today, we've probably done it much faster than some some shows where we've had like three articles <laughs> and tried to stretch it out, and it's been 45 minutes. So, so for those people who were really who were listening for the really in-depth discussion and analysis of the news items, this was far more of a blast through them. For those people who uh, find our in-depth extensive discussions of trivial points to be tiresome. This was possibly less tiresome than... This might know. be the best episode ever. For those people. <laughs> For those people who are wondering how long the outro is going to be, start the clock about 30 seconds ago and we'll see. <laughs> next well, week, in, in typical audio podcast session, next week we probably have an interview, but I don't know if we've got a confirm. If we got a confirm, Sam? I think we have it confirmed. Yes. We're pretty certain. I'm saying, like, it, it's as near certain as we ever are a week from it happening. So. Well, we, it's, it's confirmed, but it involves multiple time zones, and I haven't actually double-checked that we're both talking about the same kind of concurrent time. But this is... We're not going to tell you who it is in case it goes terribly wrong, because if they can't make it, we might be able to find somebody else really quickly. So we have to be careful with the intro <laughs> here. But 
if the person we're hoping to get next week is here, it it's exciting news for everybody because we are like we're the week of a major announcement from somebody, and we're going to speak to them about the announce. Uh, well, we're, we're going to speak to them about the product that's coming. Ooh. Which is pretty cool. How about that? That's awesome stuff. That will be on show one two eight, but this was show one two seven of the audio podcast. Maxing out MIDI. Ivan Scott here. I've had a blast as always. I'm Samuel Freeman. Oh my god, I just understood why what the title of the show means. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. I've been Adam Yanch and uh, well we might tell you that one later if you haven't figured it out. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.